Welcome to The Grand Life. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And we begin this episode with a conversation about conversation. In the last episode, we talked with author Rebecca Rowland about the art of talking with your children. We learned that there is as much for grandparents to learn as there is for parents of children. After our chat, I continue with some more thoughts in the stretch it takes about how important it is to value our grands for who they are and not necessarily what they'll become. To show them how much we value them, we will need to learn how to listen better. Mike, I wanted to start our conversation with an image of a modern sculptor who is working on a piece of marble. Okay. So she's going to start by chipping away with a point chisel, which focuses all the force in one spot and then kind of bursts the stone away. Got it. Then the modeling begins with a tooth chisel. I was watching this YouTube video about this, and the sculptor talks about how tactile sculpting is and how you can jump into a piece of space. I love that image. So cool. And I've heard sculptors talk about how carving is really a way of releasing a piece of art from the stone. So I'm talking now about modern sculpting, not the Statue of David. Something a little more abstract, like a modern piece. And the stone can become whatever it wants to be. So in fact, in this video, the sculptor says, when you work on a piece of sculpting, you, and this is a quote, lose your ego and flow into the stone through your tools. And because of that, there's this endless possibility for what you can do inside the space. Now, I love that image. Isn't that the coolest image? But let's unpack this a little because this kind of fits in with my idea about how we communicate with our grands. So let's think about how we are introduced to these little ones at birth, and we have to resist the urge to figure out pretty quickly what we dream for them. So first, I'm going to take issue with why we have to resist that urge. I suspect that you're going to answer that question a little bit later, but I think most grandparents would totally give in to the urge to think imaginatively about what their grands are going to become. Well, the thing about seeing a baby is that they are full of endless possibilities, right? Yes, but the game is to figure out the answer before it's disclosed. Well, it does seem like that. And that is the wrong thing to do, in my opinion. But it's so tempting. I know it I is. I mean, you see part of yourself in, in these little ones and you think back to when their parents were your own little ones Mm -hmm. and the connection forward doesn't, you know, just simply stop with the birth of that child. The urge to think in a forward direction goes right through that child into their undetermined future. Mm -hmm. What you do with that imagining, maybe that's where things could get a little bit more disciplined. Yeah, I think the thing is that, you know, we don't see our grandchildren all the time. We're not with them all the time. So it's easy as we're thinking about them and dreaming about who they're going to be and all that stuff to kind of inject that into conversations we have with our grandchildren from even the youngest age. And I've seen this with babies, grandparents of babies where they're holding their fingers and they're saying, oh, look, she has long fingers. She's going to be a piano player. Or, oh, he's so burly. He's going to be a football player or, you know, whatever it is. She's a redhead. She's a fiery one. She's going to have this kind of personality. So from very early on, and I think grandparents are worse at this than parents. And so where's that coming from? 
Where's it coming from? Yeah. I mean, why, why can we not resist the, the urge to look at a, a child who's just a few months old and predict its future as if we were uh, reading tea leaves or palms? Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You've already said a few things. Do you have some other ideas? I do. I think that being a grandparent seems to issue to us a license to become a seer of some kind. That is, we assume a license to take all of our experiences and all of our hopes and all of our relationship capital and pour that into the person of that little one and then to imagine what the rest of it is going to be like. Because we've watched decades of unfolding, right? We've watched people become what they are. And when you start looking at grandchildren, it is beyond tempting to just keep on doing that, to keep on looking at how becoming has looked in the rearview mirror and then imagine how becoming is going to look going forward into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. And if that's the case, then all the more reason we need to talk about how we talk with our grandchildren. Because there are consequences to this kind of of fortune telling that I just don't think we're dialed into. Did you sense from your grandparents that there was anything you were supposed to be? I only had a a close relationship with one of the four. Mm -hmm. And no, she inhabited a judgment-free zone. You know, she never really did look for a grandchild to become this or become that. She was just open-armed, loving, and, and receiving love. Yeah, I didn't actually have that either. I mean, I, I had a reputation for being the funny one, but <laughs> I don't think that meant that they thought I was going to be a comedian. So thank goodness <laughs> I turned out to be fairly serious with my, you know, master's, going towards a master's in philosophy. So funny. It's probably best we didn't meet until after <laughs> you had switched majors. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Let's talk about as our, our grandchildren grow, um, how we approach them. So obviously we're not talking about when they're babies, but as they're growing, how do we approach them? If we feel like we have all this wisdom to give them, how do we approach them in a, in a correct way? Well, so there's this pattern, right, where we feel like we have license to yeah. predict the future. I think that as they get a little bit older, that license then becomes uh, slightly different, and it is the license to... Um, build character, that is to tell our grandchildren the things that they should do and shouldn't do, should be and shouldn't be, Uh, maybe because we feel like they're hard-learned lessons and we want to make sure that they get learned. And I'm not sure that's our responsibility. I think really we're there to, like the sculptor, we're there to, you know, kind of look at them and observe them and see who they are and who they are becoming, not to create them or to make them into something they're not. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think your analogy works really well here because you can approach the stone by deciding that you're going to make it into something. Or you can approach the stone by looking for what is in there, right? and you're just trying to uncover what's in there. Yeah. And that first kind of communicating where, we're, uh, where we take license to predict the future, that's talking about. The second kind of talking, where we're trying to cr- build character into these grands, that's talking too. 
So now we need to figure out how do we talk with. And I'm not saying that we can't mentor a grandchild. Like, mentoring takes on a whole different approach. In fact, the Aristotelian, here I am in my philosophy brain, the Aristotelian way of learning was questioning. Having question and answer, question and answer, that back and forth that Dr. Rowland talked about. That's what we want for our grandchildren. We want to have back and forth conversations with them so that we can discern who they are, like who are they going to be? Not we're going to tell them who they're going to be, but basically just listening to them, listening to who they are and kind of discerning, oh, that means they might have this interest. And if they do have an interest, um, mentoring is wonderful. You can I mean, you had mentors in your life that not necessarily your grandparents, not necessarily your parents, but people outside of that who understood your interests. And then how did that happen? Well, so uh, I was interested in photography when I was a kid. My dad was not, but one of his close friends was. And so this man actually became my friend even when I was a young teenager. Yeah. And so we both pursued our interest in photography together with 40 years of age between us. And it was great. Yeah. And he never talked down to you, right? No, he never did. And you never got the impression that he was like over talking, like too much talking about things you weren't interested in. He wasn't, he wasn't taking license to build in me a photographer because he was not a photographer. He was a heart surgeon. Yeah. He was a heart surgeon. So we both could look at it as a shared hobby. Another question is, how do we help them unlock themselves instead of putting them in a sort of headlock of expectation? Well, without thinking about it too much, my answer is transparency. Hmm. If I'm willing to be transparent to my grandchild and not use that as an, as an excuse to just sort of dump all of my you know, baggage on the table, but to reveal weaknesses and passions and... Um, delights, I have to believe that that creates an environment where they'll feel comfortable doing the same. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not always just asking questions, but being revealing in the way that you're talking with them? Yes, because a steady stream of questions feels like an interrogation. Right. A, a back and forth is really what we're, we're looking for. That Aristotelian learning. Yeah. Who's asking the questions? I think maybe the answer is both of us. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The goal is to leave space. The goal is to have room for them to become who they're going to become. Here's some of the lessons that we can learn about having conversations with our grants. First of all, listen. Lots of listening. Also, guide. Don't push ideas into the conversation or push it in a particular direction, but steer it. And ask, don't insist. Like, if there's something that you ask and they aren't interested, don't, don't insist that they give you an answer. Don't insist that they play the piano for you. Don't insist that they show you how they throw a ball. You know, because that starts to feel performative. That starts to feel like they have to do something to earn your love. And you just don't want that for them. Connected to that one is the importance of accepting them for who they are now, because that may not be the same in a few months or years. And so stay on your toes to be aware of and then accepting of who they are now. And another is to encourage. So 
constant encouragement. There is absolutely no reason why you can't be an encourager of whatever they're interested in in the moment or however they're communicating in the moment and celebrate that with them. In fact, cheer them on. Yeah. Look for opportunities to be watching them do the things that are important to them and be the cheerleader. And you can do that from a long distance as well as right there, uh, you know, at the baseball game. So um, if you can't be there, then you can certainly ask them about it later and listen to what they say about it. Um, All good things to remember as we're going forward. You know, they will love you for listening and being there for them. And as a grandparent, it's easier to do all these things because no matter who they choose to be, they probably won't be living in our basement. Uh, Well, even if they do end up there, maybe for a time, it might be nice to have someone to help us get down the stairs and remember to turn off the TV at night. For some of us, this might be the hardest stretch of all because it involves deeply ingrained learned habits. The stretch it takes is meant to help us learn something, or maybe I should say unlearn in this case since we may have used relationship muscles in the wrong way and sometimes strengthened them to work against us. So today, I hope you will listen with an open heart and a willingness to sense in yourself things you might not want to admit. Are you a good listener? Or are you maybe someone who tries to control conversations so you get an outcome you have already determined to be the best one? Let's go to the mat and work those relationship muscles that might not have gotten a lot of use. Let's learn to listen. By the time our daughter was about five, she was very precocious. She had been finishing my sentences since she was two, so I was not surprised when she started putting together sounds to form words, and in a sense, reading. I'm using air quotes there. She wasn't actually reading, but she was recognizing word shapes in context. On one occasion, when an older relative was visiting, I mentioned this to them, and they responded with way more enthusiasm than I expected. I was fixing lunch, and before I knew it, the person who shall not be named, picked up the package of bread I was using to make sandwiches and took it to the table where our daughter sat. Our visitor began an all-out inquisition. What does this say? They asked my unsuspecting daughter. Can you read this to me? My relative asked her. The word was bread, which is tricky and complicated for even a precocious five-year-old. I stepped in. Well, I'm not sure that's a great word to start with, I said, trying to insinuate that what our visitor was doing was not a good idea, but they persisted, showing my daughter the ingredients list, as if I saw tears in my daughter's eyes and I promptly shut the conversation down. But the damage was already done. Our sweet little girl ran out of the room, dejected and feeling like a complete failure. This person at our table had made the poor decision of talking to my child instead of talking with her, and I was horrified. This is, of course, an extreme example, but how many times do we do this to our grandchildren? How many times have we bought one of those personalized books that create a scenario with our grand being a veterinarian or a medical doctor? 
How many times do we talk to our grands? No, tell them who we think they're going to be. What kind of pressure do we place on them to fulfill our dreams and expectations instead of just working hard to listen to who they are and what they're interested in? It starts early with infants for whom we buy onesies and t-shirts that speak for them. Do you know what I mean? I've never been a fan of those, and I may be overly sensitive, and yes, I do believe my 18-month-old grandson will be the best big brother, but I'm not sure he needs a t-shirt to tell the world he is, even before he can speak. I mean, think about it. Listening is something we learn from our parents and our role models. If we had adults in our own lives who were didactic and only interested in performative behavior, it might be hard for us to become people who sit back and observe our grands instead of making them perform for us. Don't get me wrong. If a child wants to play a piano piece they've learned or show us a homework assignment they're proud of, of course we should pay attention and praise them. But maybe the praise should be in the form of a question, something like, that's amazing, how long did you have to work on that piece? Or how did you feel about that assignment when you first started on it? This kind of intentionality in our conversation should be the same kind that we use in respectful conversations with adults. When you are sitting at the dinner table having a conversation with other adults, do you ask them questions? If they ask you a question, do you drone on about yourself for a long time and then never reciprocate with questions for them? I can't even tell you how many times my husband and I have left a get-together with colleagues and commented that we knew a whole lot about them while they hadn't asked us a single question. There should be some kind of back and forth, but many times there is not. I'm afraid that our social media culture has not done us a favor here. There is a lot of talking to, even in both directions, but that is not the same as talking with. Unfortunately, that can spill over into our personal relationships. So in the future, take note of how often you are having a back-and-forth conversation with your grands. Are you full of good questions for them? Can you hold off from making pointed remarks so that your grand won't feel like they must meet some sort of expectation? Try to stretch your communication style. Include open-ended questions that help you learn more about what makes your grand tick. I'm not suggesting an interrogation. That could be off-putting, but maybe a few well-thought-out questions that elicit something new about your grand that you might never have known. The more you do that, the better your relationship will be with them, and they may feel more comfortable revealing their true selves, selves that might surprise and delight you. It's been a great fifth season here at The Grand Life, and we are heading into a short break as we refresh and figure out where to go from here. As I mentioned before, I am hopeful that you will start writing or calling in with your questions, comments, and concerns. I heard from a listener this week who wanted to know why I recommended Grand Magazine to our listeners, since it didn't line up with his way of thinking. 
I let him know that while Grand Magazine doesn't always reflect my own personal views, I do like to read lots of different viewpoints, and that is one way I do that. Grand Magazine is its own entity. I occasionally contribute content, and they're kind enough to let people know about my podcast as well, but that's really all. So please take a look at the magazine if you're so inclined, and feel free not to if you're inclined otherwise. You can reach them by going to grandmagazine.com. No matter what your concerns are, I care about them. So please write to me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or call me and leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876. Also, don't forget to listen back to episodes you have missed and rate and review the podcast wherever you can. Feel free to share my link on your own Facebook page as well. Thank you so much. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thank you for joining us in living the grand life.